Hello and a big welcome to the Elevate Her podcast. My name is Selena. And I'm Maika. And we're here to discuss common barriers women face in our society. And provide you with top tips and information from high achieving women from all kinds of fields to empower and inspire you to achieve your full potential and elevate your life. Hi team, welcome back to another episode of the Elevate Her podcast. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Dr. Beata Fogges-Totted, who is our PhD supervisor. Beata is a researcher and lecturer in vascular biology at Imperial College London. Her work focuses on understanding the molecular mechanisms behind pulmonary hypertension, a rare but severe disease. Originally from Poland, Beata came to the UK after completing her PhD. Having held multiple positions at the University of Glasgow and University College of London, she came to Imperial to build her own research group. In today's episode, Beata shares how she has managed juggling being a mom of three while progressing through her career in academia. Beata is an accomplished researcher and has successfully supervised many students. She's a great mentor and gives out amazing tips that will benefit you regardless of whether you work in science or not. So without further ado, let's dive right into the episode. Welcome, Beata, to the podcast. Hi, Salina. Hi, Maike. So what would you like to know? Tell me. Before we dive uh, into your work and role, could you give our listeners some background about yourself? Okay, so um, I was born in Poland, was brought up in a beautiful city of Kraków, which is in southern Poland, very old and nice town. So I went to school in the 80s, 1980s, and, and then studied at Jagiellonian University. It was a very difficult and beautiful, but also very turbulent time of solidarity movement, which uh, transitioned Poland from, from communism to full independence from Soviet Union. And that was followed by martial law. So really turbulent and difficult. And during this time, I was brought up by, by my mom. My parents divorced when I was very young. So I never really had much interaction with my father. And my mom was always a very big influence in my life. She made sure that I had access to everything I needed. I never felt any you know, void in my life. But I guess for her it was very difficult because there were very few divorced couples at that time. But why, why am I talking about her? Because she basically always told me that it's very important to be independent and to fulfill one's potential. In, in, in particular, in case of women, it's very important that we are strong and uh, we can be independent. Coming back to my background, I, I finished studies and did PhD in cell biology and molecular biology. And then I got a position at Glasgow University. I met my husband there and then from there moved to London. In between, I had my first child. So when I moved to London, I didn't know anybody at all and had to look for jobs in, in, in the local library, in, in nature, <laughs> sort of with a buggy. So that was quite difficult. It was a difficult time in my life. 
And I got a position at UCL with Professor Anne Ridley, who was a really wonderful sort of role model. She encouraged me to have family. And this is when I sort of got my first fellowship. And then after that, I got a position at UCL again, but within cardiovascular sort of field with Professor Sheila Howarth who was also a, a wonderful, very supportive figure in my in my career. And then I moved to Imperial and built up my independent group. And this is where I am now. Great. <laughs> great story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Beata. It was great. So have you always had an interest in science? Yes, I, I guess it runs in our family. So we are a family of medics. So I was initially encouraged to, to study medicine, but then I uh, broke away from this and and went to study biology. So we are all sort of interested in how things work in nature, how cells behave. And I'm a cell biologist at heart, so I really am, I have a keen interest in cells. <laughs> so you studied first in Poland and then you moved to Glasgow and then to London. Was there any reason why you started switching countries after Poland? I have to say the opportunities for me to study and develop in, in Poland weren't very good, or weren't as good as, uh, for instance, what was offered in, in Britain. So it was a great opportunity and I decided to move and explore and learn more and, and basically see the world. But certainly, um, I mean, opportunities that I was given in Glasgow working with Adam Curtis, uh, we were sort of exploring mechanisms, how cells react to topography, which is partly what, what you girls are doing as well. So how they respond to different geometries, shapes, and, uh, you know, how cells, you know, some cells can climb little steps and some cells can't do it. And so, so really a very beautiful and interesting uh, field. And so, because you were from Poland, how was the transition you know, culturally, maybe in terms of language barrier, going from Poland to the UK? Right, so I studied English as well, and I had, um, you know, have gone through several courses. So the transition in terms of language, maybe it wasn't, wasn't very difficult. I think culturally, obviously, at that time, Poland wasn't in EU. So it was a different sort of like a separate entity. So it was a bit difficult for me. I didn't know anyone here. So it was a big step for a for a girl, for a woman, you know, to transition between countries. You have done this. So credit to you girls. Well done. <laughs> it may have been easier for us, like in our times, because also because we're from like Germany and France. Yes, I think it's, it's also a generational difference. Yeah. So I think for this generation, no matter where in the world, I think the travel is, is much easier and transition. You have internet. There wasn't an internet before. I think it's a generational rather than, than sort of cultural difference. But yes, yes, it was quite difficult and quite lonely. I think opportunities that I had and my background was very different to what what's offered now and the, the access or to education, and also social recognition for women is so much better now. There is room for improvement, obviously. But yes, when I was stud studying, I think 
uh, fewer women were studying in science generally. And also, I think the role of women was more, uh, you know, uh, support of, of family, perhaps some, you know, uh, teamwork, but never leadership. There were very few women in, in leadership when I was growing up. And my mom obviously was very independent coming back to her leading a, a big medical facility. So I was sort of observing a strong and independent woman in my development. So that was very, very important. So did you experience any any obstacles you, you would be happy to share with on your on your journey as a woman in science? Oh wow! Okay, where do I, where do I start? I think there are <laughs> barriers. No, I have a list. The main barrier, maybe barrier, but difficulty that I experienced was having children, and this is something that perhaps a lot of people don't talk about, but it is a big challenge for women. I have three children and sort of tried not to take long maternity uh, leave um, uh, for, for each child. But it's a big decision and a very difficult decision. And, you know, I decided to stay in science, fought, fought hard for it. Uh, as I said, I didn't take a um, big break. But my children were looked after by childminders, you know, who changed often. So I always think was that entirely right decision to take. I mean, now there is paternity leave. So now men can take equal part or equal share in, in uh, upbringing of, of children. However, I think women still uh, do most of the work and, and are facing perhaps more difficult choices. Obviously, when you go through job interviews, people don't ask you now how many children you have. At that time, I kind of declared I have three children which didn't make the best impression because people were not expecting me to perform. And I think that was the, the main uh, problem, the main difficulty. I have a very supportive husband, so obviously that's very important when you consider staying in science or having a job. But nevertheless, that was quite a, quite a challenge and slowed me down. I mean, let's not lie about it. I, I couldn't spend as much time on my professional activities, which I don't regret. It's just something that we, we all have to be aware of when of thinking about it. Thank you for speaking so honestly about it. Yeah. Because it is something which we think about, but of course we don't have experience. It's great to hear that you actually managed to juggle both, because yeah. obviously you did really well, like looking at where you are now, and you still managed you know, to have two, three children who I'm sure like, are really happy to have you as a mom. And it's so nice to hear that. And it's really encouraging for us because I have so many friends who tell me, like, I don't know how I'm going to juggle both motherhood and science. So I don't know if I should stay in science because I want to be a mom. I think I would I would leave choices to individuals. It's very important not to be judgmental on both sides. You know, women who chose to stay with families shouldn't judge career women and vice versa. It's down to individuals or couples, you know, how they arrange and what they find fulfilling. It's most important to find a way that is best for you, you know. So I managed, I managed to, to do that. 
but as I said, it's not easy. It's not easy because I think the society still, there is a bit of stigma attached uh, to women who choose careers. And I can definitely see in my environment here that uh, still a, a father figure or a man in the family is perceived as the one that is actually like dictating the shape of the family, making decisions and so on. If you if you kind of speak with people with neighbors, you can you can just see the attitude. Very few people ask me what I do for instance when I'm with my husband. <laughs> or maybe they do, but they don't expect me mm -hmm. to actually, you know, come up with some professional profile. <laughs> wow. That's, That's crazy. Interesting to yeah. hear. Yeah. Yeah. If that's really one of my wishes for the future, that that will yeah. work on this and that hopefully in the future this will change even more. I know it has changed a lot in the, in yeah. the past, but... Obviously in our department at the National Heart and Lung Institute, I know that there's a lot of work being done around this. There's been a lot of effort and actually the Faculty of Medicine has one of the best like <laughs> women to men ratios. I think that's just due to the fact that medicine is usually, like now at least, there's more women than before. Um, compared to maybe mathematics or other faculties. Yes. But also I think there's been lots of effort to recognize women in science and also support motherhood, maybe maternal leave as well. No, absolutely. And Imperial College, I mean, I, I've been to different institutions. I think it also reflects certain evolution that universities have go, gone through and different organizations. Again, there is a generational difference. But definitely at Imperial, I went to courses that weren't offered before. So, you know, how to do job interviews. There was a special course for women who have ambition to, to progress in their careers. It was incredibly useful for me because I learned how to present myself and my skills and how to make a pitch because women often are more reserved and they, they cannot adequately highlight the abilities you know they don't say this is what i can do and you know sort of advertise yourself and put yourself forward i'm still learning i'm still learning but <laughs> <laughs> definitely i i, I still struggle as well with yeah. just being not confident enough to to go out and show myself fully and yeah i think that's something yeah as you say so many women still no absolutely I was speaking about this interview with my daughter who's studying math mathematics and uh, she was one, I, th I think there were only three girls in that class. Wow. And I said, why is that? Why so few women? And she said basically that she thinks girls didn't want to apply. Maybe they didn't know how to, maybe, but they simply didn't apply. And that could be the reason why women might not get certain jobs because they either they don't think that they will manage, they simply disqualify themselves before even trying. Yeah. So I think it's it's very important that we sort of put our strength together and apply for jobs. I was told that men apply, apply, apply more often and put themselves forward. So this yeah. is something that we women should you know, learn 
basically. Yeah. <laughs> struggle, I think, from early onwards. So at school, it already starts. And Definitely. then you think about, yeah, which school direction you go, then you think about which studies you want to go. Mm-hmm. It, it starts so early, I think, in life. And it's so important to you to be supported by that early stage so you're strong yeah. enough to go forward. Yeah, and definitely. And also, I think men tend to apply to jobs, you know, even if they don't qualify for it, they will just go for it. Whereas as women, we always like re-question ourselves, right? It's just like a female thing to do. Like, even if we're totally good, like more than 100% good for it, we'll still be like, oh, no, I'm not sure, you know, like maybe I won't apply because what if? And it's great to hear that there's a lot of effort being put there, but I think it needs to start earlier. Like we shouldn't wait until, you know, someone gets into their job to do this. I think we need to start it like much earlier on in schools because then we wouldn't miss, you know, many opportunities for girls to see like apply for like math. I think you hit the nail on the head actually there. I think it should start very, very early on with children and their parents. Often parents... I don't know, uh, perhaps older generation, perhaps they have certain views, maybe they coach their children towards certain careers. That needs to be a, a groundwork on children and their parents. And talking about with, with uh, about this issue with my daughter again, I mean, she said when she went to all-girls school, uh, she was offered dance, drama, um, food tech, Uh, as additional, you know, courses, whereas boys in equivalent sort of boys' school were offered technical courses, they were woodwork. She always wanted to do, you know, she was interested in technical things. And she didn't have an opportunity. There wasn't a course for her. I'm shocked. I'm so shocked that they still do this now. I'm not sure what it's like now. That's why I'm not going to be naming names. Perhaps it's all improved, and I'm sure it has. But I think this is an area to be constantly explored and and improved. Coming back to um, to your work, because you're so you're leading your own research group. So would you mind giving our listeners an overview about what leading your own group means? Well, it's a big responsibility. Basically, it involves leading research and giving guidelines to different researchers at a different level, starting from undergraduate, obviously PhD students and postdoctoral researchers. So guiding them through their work, um, doing experiments myself, writing grants. Uh, doing presentations and obviously teaching. Teaching is a big part of it as well. It's a very rewarding job. I really like interacting with people who are interested in in the subject. What I really like as well uh, is to, when different individuals from different backgrounds, you know, and beliefs and everything, focus on one project on something that we have in, in common. It's, it's very exciting to, to see that we actually can work together despite all the differences and, and so on and focus on one theme or one subject and, and be productive. It really is very rewarding. I, I like that. I like how you put that. It's so beautiful to hear that. I think it's such a nice way to, of seeing science as well. Yeah. It yeah. does sound like juggling a lot of things all together at once. Yes, yes, that's the right term, <laughs> juggling different. 
But girls, because it's a dialogue, maybe you can tell us, you know, how you got to science. So for me, it was, um, I mean, we both had our story. I personally also had some obstacles in the past um, because I wanted to go into science. So I always really liked it. And I was also very um, happy to have my, my father. He always supported me in the direction of Mars, physics, chemistry, all these parts. He was always there to support me and to make me strong. Um, so I really liked it. I was always going for these kind of courses um, at school. But basically, I was also really good in, in music. So I was playing the violin and piano. And there was another path I was thinking of. Wow. So I had these two options. And then I, I was in my A-levels and I started, I had biology as a big course. And I didn't really do well um, in my biology course. I really tried, but just the way of how I was taught, I was really struggling and my grades weren't really good. And then it got to a peak where then my biology teacher, she pulled me aside and um, told me um, that if there's one thing she can recommend to me is never to study biology. Um, that was like such a slap in my face. About she should see you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, I still like, I love science. And then when I did my gap year, um, I went to um, New Zealand. And then when I came back, I still was, yes, I wanted to do science. And then I went into biology and I love it. <laughs> I'm so excited Excellent. about it. But yeah, it, it was just, yeah, how teachers, how they have a big influence. And maybe it correlates with what you said before about that so little female in mathematics for example, mm -hmm. because maybe they got discouraged and yeah. maybe they just yes brave yeah yeah I had like a I had a pretty similar story like I have never been really good in like scientific themes when I was young so I was good at biology I think biology was the only one that I could understand but all like math physics I had like never been really good and I remember once I I went to the board to do like an exercise. And then I, I just couldn't resolve it. And so my teacher just told, like, in front of everyone, oh, Selena, you suck. Like, this is so bad. And I think, like, that that moment was, for me, it was such a shock. I was like, okay, I'm never going to do science anymore. You know, this is not for me. And my dad was an engineer. So he he's always, like, encouraged me to pursue science. And he said, you know, Selena, you need to persevere. Like, you, you shouldn't let anyone, like, tell you that you're bad. Like, you should still try. And so my mom got me um, like a personal, uh, you know, teacher at home and he changed my life because like without him, I wouldn't be here. The first time he took, like he saw me, he said, we need to reframe your brain because the way you're thinking cannot be applied to like math, mathematical thinking. So he just really taught me math in a different way. And since then that opened like all doors for me. So I managed to do that physics and chemistry really well and even biology like I did so 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 much better and but you know if I hadn't had this person like I wouldn't be here so it just shows yeah. how one person can really affect your life yeah. and the importance yes. of teaching and supervision yeah. honestly like I owe him so much but yeah. that also highlights both uh, stories and my story is about certain emotional vulnerability of, of women that can get discouraged. So I, I think it's yeah. very important to stress that women should sort of learn to cope with this kind of uh, vulnerability and find inner strength. I don't know how it can be done, but um, yes, we need to learn to take opportunities. Well, how do you think it could be done? 
Well, I, I really don't know because, I mean, it's a trait in, in um, women, but definitely these courses sort of opened my eyes that I perhaps, you know, this is an area where I can improve and, um, and told me how to. So perhaps introduced much earlier on at schools, I don't know. But then again, I don't know what's happening at schools now. Maybe it's a part of curriculum. Maybe maybe it's happening. I don't know. But it wasn't the case. It wasn't my case. I, I definitely had no coaching of how to pass job interviews, how to you know look for jobs. I mean, you were you were asking about barriers and difficulties in in my professional career. I think switching from a postdoc to lecturer position and gaining independence. This is this is really difficult, uh, most difficult step for, for men and women. So, so I, I remember being sort of in, uh, really distraught and not knowing with three children then uh, how to just how to apply for jobs. And there was no help at that time. I think even now there are fellowships for women who have children. However, at that time, I remember there was a fellowship for women who took a break uh, longer than a year. And because I was so focused, I didn't want to take a long break. So I didn't take a, um, a break long enough to, to be eligible to apply. So I, I felt it was very unfair for women who actually tried to stay and, and fight yeah. on. Funding bodies definitely should show higher flexibility in funding for, for women. What, what is the thing you enjoy most about being a supervisor? Well, it's the journey. Uh, you know, so watching someone gaining independence, learning about new things and enjoying it. This, I think this is the most uh, rewarding thing to observe someone just enjoying science and learning new things. It is a transition to independence. So it's not, not only about science, it's about uh, also individuals and their ability to think independently, um, to make decisions, to present, to be recognized as well. So I hope you will learn all this. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, we've learned a lot already. So yeah, at least personally, I've definitely grown a lot. And I think even like even though COVID was a challenge, I think it made us like a lot stronger and it made us like realize and question maybe different things concerning like what we are doing and why we're doing it. So maybe coming back to um, your, I mean, you being a leader in academia. So what would be your top tips for young women who wish to pursue a career in academia? Okay. Um, continue your devel development. Continue your development as individual. Please don't feel distressed about your careers or about your families. Any decision you take will be the right decision. So be confident in, in yourself. Explore ways of you know, expressing yourself and how your career progression as well, so that you plan things very well in your lives. Don't be afraid of ap applying and putting yourself forward and just remember of being assertive, confident, you know, with 
having a family, I think it's very important. And I wouldn't, as I say, discredit either women who just choose to stay with their children or women who choose to uh, be career oriented and, and just focus on their jobs. I think I was very um, withdrawn and shy. I think in many undertakings, I, I sort of didn't put myself forward or didn't have a technique of actually highlighting what I can do. Uh, so, yeah, it's important. It's, it's great to have you on because yeah. I think, as you say yourself, like you're not putting yourself out there enough. So that's why also we wanted to have you on because we know you have like loads of experience, loads of great things to share. So I think it's important that people like know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. And I'm excited for our journey as well. We'll yeah. be working together for the next yes, three years three and I'm years. excited to see what we'll learn. Yeah. We always have, like, we have a signature question we ask all our guests at the end. What is your favorite word or quote and why? Huh. <laughs> I mean, maybe the, the, the Latin um, sort of motto of my school, semper in altum, meaning always higher or always in depth. This mm. is quite important for guiding people. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Yata, for coming on. That was no thanks. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Beata as much as we did. You can find more about Beata's work on her Imperial College profile and on our research group's Twitter at BWS Lab. Check out the show notes for the link. And finally, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to this podcast, as well as share it around you, so that we can reach and empower more people to elevate their lives. Mm -hmm.